Welcome to the first episode of Building Belonging, a podcast of the New York City Bar Association. In this episode, reflections on what comes next. James A. Lewis V, outgoing executive director of the City Bar Office for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging, speaks with Tanya Martinez-Galanucci, incoming ODEIB executive director, Angie Avila, ODEIB manager of development and communications, and Mary Ellen LaRosa, ODEIB diversity and inclusion coordinator. They discuss what belonging means to them. This world should feel like it's mine. It should feel like it was built for me too. The future of DEIB, Intentionality and accountability go hand in hand, and I think that's where we're headed next. The challenging work ahead. The only way we're going to get to the point where we want to be is by having uncomfortable conversations. And weaving belonging into our work every single day. You have to really understand people, where they're coming from, and let people breathe and talk in their authentic voices. Here's James Lewis. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Building Belonging, Reflections on What Comes Next. Uh, My name is James Lewis. I'm the former executive director for the Office of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging, emphasis on belonging. Um, And today I'm joined here with the full office just to discuss what belonging means to us and the future of the office as we see it. So I'm going to start off with introductions, if I might, and I'm going to start off with Tanya and just ask you to introduce yourself, if you might. Sure. My name is Tanya Martinez-Galanucci, and as you've already explained, I'm the incoming executive director for OD. We so lovingly call it. Thanks so much, Tanya. Angie? Hi, I'm Angie Avila, and I am the development and communications manager with the office. Thank you so much. And Mary Ellen? And I'm Mary Ellen LaRosa, and I am the diversity and inclusion coordinator for the office. Thank you so much, Mary Ellen. So let's kick off with what does belonging mean to you? So that's something that I'm certainly interested in. I know that we kicked around a lot what we're going to name the office, how we're going to do this reband, um, what our thoughts were. And it feels like belonging becomes increasingly important in the environment that we're in. Um, So I certainly want to speak to you each kind of about what belonging means to you. And so, Tanya, do you want to lead us off? Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head, James. Like it is. It is everything that we're thinking about. And the rebrand was so important. And I know personally for me, belonging is something I have always sought. And I, when I describe myself and when I tell people about my background, I say that I grew up at the crossroads between poverty and privilege, right? I grew up in the projects that faced Lincoln Center. So it's just, I grew up dirt poor watching people in mink coats and limousines go to the opera. So I just very, very early on became hyper aware of my race, my class, gender, ethnicity, all those things. And so from a very early age, it's always felt like I lived in a world that was built for someone else. And to me, that's, that's the core of what belonging is. This world should feel like it's mine. It should feel like it was built for me too. So. When we deal with this work, when we're thinking about how to make people feel like they're belonging in the spaces they occupy, we're very much getting into the core and dealing with our history and why people don't feel like they belong. I actually shared with the office earlier, I was watching a documentary last night on P. Diddy and Bad Boy Entertainment. It was an old documentary, but it was new to me. I hadn't seen it. 
um, which tells you a lot about who I am. You know, that was definitely the soundtrack of my childhood. But in that in that documentary, they asked Nina Simone, they play this clip of Nina Simone over and over and over again, where they ask her, what does freedom mean to you? And she says, freedom is living without fear. And when I heard that, I was like, that's how I would describe belonging, right? Living without fear of rejection, without fear of judgment, without fear of saying your way of doing, thinking, speaking, acting is wrong, and this is the right way. And I feel like there's a lot of overlap between freedom and and belonging. Um, so I'll stop there, and I'll let the rest of the authors answer. Angie, what are your thoughts? So I love that we're all giving our perspective on belonging, because, you know, for every person, belonging could be different. For me, belonging starts with representation. It's human nature to identify with icons, both fictional and non-fictional, from superheroes to CEOs, even your favorite teacher. There's a human need to see yourself in others. When I was a child, there were no Latina superheroes or Disney princesses. And as, you know, silly as that sounds, from a young age, you begin to recognize the lack of inclusion and you internalize that. So today I'm seeing uh, Latinx families represented in Disney films and as superheroes. So for me, belonging is representation. So cool. And I appreciate that. For me, I know like Lion King was a big thing and like the voice, but it was like a hyena. So it's like, that's not great. So even representation sometimes can be problematic if not handled properly. But I think seeing yourself and your heroes that look like you is so critically important to this work. Marielle, any thoughts on your end? I think jumping off of both of their points, belonging for me is about being intentional. I think I bring a different perspective just being a white cis lady that for me, it's not something I've had to think about in terms of the absence of fear, but rather something that I might be missing out on. And so I think speaking to sort of my time working in the food service industry in the last 14 years, belonging kind of becomes like a happy accident. It's a byproduct of working with people. It may or may not happen. And New York City Bar Association is really the first time where I walked into a space and it was very intentional and you belong here and you're welcome here and we want to connect with you right away. And so I think that we can continue to be more intentional about making sure that people feel like they belong. We discussed earlier that DEI without the B is just checking boxes. So being intentional about the belonging will make sure that we're actually doing something here. Absolutely. So just building on what you shared, Mary Ellen, I'm going to turn things to Tanya about being intentional, right? And so I know you've navigated some really cool spaces. You didn't share all the cool spaces that you've been in terms of your academic career and whatnot. But I'm curious if you can share places where maybe you've experienced belonging being well done, and then maybe some places where it needs a little bit of work, right? Because I think that's what we're interested in is kind of the real some of these spaces. So if you have any thoughts there, we'd be interested in hearing those. Yeah, yeah. I think just taking a step back, one thing to keep in mind is that most spaces, you know, dare I say all spaces that we're encountering are going to have issues of exclusion, right? Our country was built on exclusion. Only white men were able to design and think about what our country would look like, what it would feel like, who had rights, who didn't, and what you could do with that. So when people say things about like the criminal justice system working exactly as it was intended, 
they're right. But that's also true for all systems, including our schools, our workplaces, the grocery store, all places. So my idea is that always assume that the structures and infrastructures and institutions are exclusionary. So if you're not taking actions to make them inclusive, assume that they're not. I will tell you that some of the best spaces I have been a part of have been extremely diverse. So I was a teacher for six years in New York City public schools, and that was probably the closest thing I have experienced to full inclusion. It wasn't perfect. Don't get me wrong. It definitely wasn't perfect. And there's always room for improvement. There's always room for growth. Um, and that's just true in this work for all of us, you know, myself included, especially. And I will tell you that the harshest place I've ever been was law firm, law industry, law school. The industry is just harsh. It's just harsh. I was shocked when I entered law school and heard the language people were using, the way we talked about difference, the way we talked about equity. And it was shocking to me because I I wanted to become a lawyer because I wanted to make our world more equitable and more just. (laughs) Features of places that allow for belonging are inclusive of many thoughts, ideas, and diverse thoughts and ideas, and also allows for spaces for people to gather and share those ideas and protect themselves and have psychological safety. If there's no psychological safety, people will not feel like they belong. And we can talk about that, you know, other times, but in general, that's that's my response to that. Thanks so much, Tanya. How about you, Angie? Have you had any particular experiences where you felt like belonging was being really well done or can Patty use some some work, as they say, uh, in terms of what was happening in terms of belonging? So personally, I got to go back to the cinemas and movies just because that's what I internalized as a child and I grew up with that. So I'm thinking about when I went to go see Black Panther in the theaters and obviously love the movie. So as I was leaving, you know, I was waiting for an Uber and I saw two little boys. They were pointing at the promo poster and they were saying like, that's me and that can be you. And it just, I got emotional just watching them and I had to try not to cry in front of strangers because then they were going to think that I was a crazy lady. But, you know, it was important to me and I got emotional because I saw children that were seeing icons with their skin color and they were going to be able to go home and play pretend and pretend to be those superheroes. And that's something that, you know, for myself, I wish I had. And I'm glad that they have that experience. It's important at a formative age to feel like you belong and to see yourself represented. So that's an example that I think belonging was exemplified. Bringing it back to what we're doing here, the legal profession, statistically, according to the Hispanic National Bar, Latinx people who make up 18% of our population compromise about 4% of U.S. attorneys. For Latinas, we account less than 2%. So I remember when Tanya was announced, I saw the last name and I thought to myself, wow, finally, I am seeing a Latina who is an attorney who's going to be holding a high position because personally, I haven't really come across that. I think the only Latina that I've seen in person was Sonia Sotomayor and I saw her from a distance. So I didn't get a personal interaction with her, but Nonetheless, I think that's where we're definitely lacking, and that's where we come in. Can I jump in and thank you, Angie, for 
for even pointing that out. And I just want to acknowledge what you just said, because I feel like you just described in a nutshell my experience. I can't tell you how many times I was in an elevator and a woman of color would see me and run to me and go, hi, what's your name? And just like want to introduce herself and, and find out who I am just because they saw another woman of color. I can't tell you how many mentees I have just because I'm a woman of color and people have seen me and sought me out. And so I appreciate that. I have to tell you, seeing Sotomayor in person for me was also impactful for the same reasons. And I, ha I have to mention, we're both project chicks. Both of us. <laughs> Oh, that's great. And that's so real. I think that touches on so many of our experiences. I know for me personally, it resonates. Except that I never met a Supreme Court justice. So that's probably kind of cool that you posted <laughs> that. Um, I saw her. I didn't meet her. <laughs> I can share with you. I think we discussed this before too, Angie. Encanto was touched upon so many of my experiences. My mother moved here when she was 16 from Jamaica. And so that lifting while you climb and the responsibilities that come with the privileges so I wept like a baby watching that. So I definitely can understand how media representations are so important for what we're looking to do. Um, Mary Ellen, any thoughts on kind of spaces where you've seen belonging well done or where you, certain improvements that you thought can be made for how belonging was being handled? I think towards pilot programs without revealing too much. I know Tanya is, is talking about sort of like these safe space pods and piloting that kind of program. And with unsuccessful programs, I think it's easy to put the kibosh on it and say, we tried it and it's it's too much um, and it doesn't work. But then with successful programs, they might have a second and third iteration, but then we just want them to, by virtue of being good, keep going and bringing it back to intentionality, we have to keep going with them. And so I'm going to, rather than steal Tanya's thunder, I'm going to send things back to Tanya because I think you teased some of the great things to come for the office. And so I like use Hamilton quotes still a lot, <laughs> but, but part of this, what comes next and frankly, having folks in the room where it happens is thinking about how we can turn key information and build things forward. And so Tanya, if you could share as much or as little as you feel comfortable with about um, your vision for the office or thoughts for where you see us headed, I think that'd be useful as well. Yeah, I think we have lots of ideas and we're still wrapping our heads around it and, and planning things out, but I'm happy to share, you know, what we've got so far. One big thing is we're going to make 2023 the year of belonging. That's why we're doing the podcast. It's, you know, it's going to be the theme that threads through all our programming. And we're doing that both internally and externally. And we're, we're really excited about the internal work as well. And that's what kind of Mary Ellen was, was hinting at. We're going to do these pods, these groupings, these meetings that will allow people to come together and talk and just talk, talk about everything, everything and anything and all the things, because there's so much importance in, in storytelling and sharing perspective and, and holding space for each other that's needed for belonging. You have to really understand people where they're coming from and let people breathe and talk in their authentic voices. It took me a really long time to find my authentic voice in these spaces, especially the legal industry, way too long. And when I finally found it, you couldn't shut me up. You can't shut me up. Can't stop. Won't stop. I'm just, I'm just going to go P. Diddy. Let's keep P. Diddy up in this podcast the whole way through. <laughs> um, but the more we can all get to talk in our authentic voices and really talk about our perspectives, the more we can come to terms with it. 
the more we can actually be accountable for how we all contribute to our communities. And that's the only way forward. The only way forward is together, learning, being accountable, being open and honest about what changes need to be made. And so that's what I'm excited about doing and really getting people's stories out there so that we can do something with it. Awesome. So Angie, I know you were at like the ground floor. We started thinking through what belonging was going to be to the office. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts or hopes or intentions for where you hope belonging takes us as an office and what we can do for the city bar or the profession at large. I completely echo Tanya's sentiments, right? So the only way we're going to get to the point where we want to be is by having uncomfortable conversations. We have not really delved into what belonging means because we've been tiptoeing around it and we've been very kind to everyone's feelings because we don't want to make anyone feel bad about holding more space than us. That time has essentially come to an end. It's time to have those uncomfortable conversations and echoing we have to hold the legal profession accountable. You know, when I think about it, we can't rewrite the past. I can't give myself a Disney princess when I was seven years old, but we can definitely mold the future. It's up to us to make sure that kids look at posters and say, that's me and that can be you. And they go home and play pretend. And it's up to us to create and to highlight icons in the legal profession for any high school student that is thinking about joining this field. Beautiful. And Mary Ellen, how about you? You have any thoughts for where you hope belonging takes us as an office? Belonging is the future of the whole DEIB field. I think intentionality and accountability go hand in hand. And I think that's where we're headed next, which is probably a scary word for a lot of people, but holding ourselves and everyone else accountable is going to be where where belonging is going to thrive. Beautiful. So Tanya, we're going to come back to you now. So I know we spoke a little bit about the experiences that got us here. So I'm curious to just hear from you, if you can share with us what you're hoping to, either in terms of practical things, programs, education that we can turn around, or just softer things in terms of ideas, things that people ought to be thinking about around belonging. Kind of what is it that you hope the audience gets from us? Yeah. So our work spans lots of different industries and, and pillars and our outreach is wide, right? Like we have educational programs, we have pipeline programs, we do training, we can consult, we hold space, right? Like we do so many things. And basically, I think it all comes down to sort of the principles that Ibram X. Kendi outlined in his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, and, and others as well, not, not only him. The idea is we all need to be constantly thinking about this with every decision we make, because there's only two ways to kind of do this. You're either contributing to equity and justice or you're not. And I think the hard part for folks to wrap their head around is that if you just stay the course and you do the status quo, you're probably on the wrong side of history. And that's a hard pill to swallow right? No one wants to think that. No one wants to believe that. And we're not saying you're a bad person if you do. We're just saying that it's going to take a little bit more effort in your decision making to be on the right side of history. And this is Mary Ellen's point about intentionality. The system was built this way 
We can't change the way it was built, but we can change the way we move it going forward. What you shared brought to mind a quote I'm going to butcher. Um, I think it's Charles Hamilton Houston who said something to the effect of if you're not doing the social work and the equity work, then you're really a parasite as an attorney. That's right. Um, so either we're feeding or we're taking away. And it sounds like what you're saying is that we all need to be in the business of feeding. Um, and I couldn't That's agree right. more with you on that point. So Angie, what is it that we want folks to take away from the office, from this discussion? What is it that we really want folks to be thinking about as they kind of exit this conversation? We, as an organization, we are not the begin doll and end all of belonging. Our influence and our reach is dependent on our network, their wants, their needs, what have you. I like to think of our department as a ship. Our job is to ensure that the ship stays afloat, but we need our network to captain us. We're merely a vessel for the work that needs to get done. That's a great analogy. Yeah, and I think that's great. Mary Ellen, how about you? Any thoughts? I would say the work is never over. You can't just clock out of this kind of work. And and just as it is touching every part of our lives, we should make sure that we're our hands are in the D, the E, the I, and the B. Beautiful. So I'm going to absolutely steal that that ship analogy for <laughs> this work. I think it's great. I think that really it is getting more people onto the ship and moving us forward. But really, you know, the leaders have to be the people. We have to hear from the community about what spaces we can do more in and what's uh, where we can have the most impact. So I definitely thank you all for giving us that. Does anyone have any closing thoughts they want to share? I think that Angie's analogy is perfect. It's a, it's a perfect analogy. And I hope that that also can be used as sort of an invitation. Like we want our members to reach out. We want our members to say, hey, here's where we think we need to be going with this. We can be pushing the envelope. Here's, a, here's an obstacle we really have. We know that our associates don't feel like they belong in this and this way. What can we do together to really move the needle on this? And so we really do take it seriously. We want to hear from folks. We want you on this podcast to tell us about your experiences of belonging. Follow us on IG. We're doing cool stuff. I am so proud of our social media. Mary Ellen and Angie are killing it. So yeah, I mean, we want to have conversations. We want to use this platform to the best of our ability. So we just want people to reach out. Thanks so much, Tanya. Angie or Marilyn, any other closing thoughts? So I'll jump in and I'll just say my last closing thought to end out our discussion today is thank you to James for passing the baton over to Tanya and just making this transition as seamless as possible. The work that we are putting forward is a big brainstorm between the four of us. So you started belonging by wanting to make the name brand and we're going to bring it home for you. I appreciate that. And listen, I want to thank Tanya for being, like, to borrow your ana analogy, passing the baton, but, like, there's a stellar athlete on the other side of the baton. Uh, Tanya is, is not new to this. She's true to this, I think is the way I would put it. I am so excited about all the great things to come for the office, through the office, with Tanya at the helm. We've had conversations publicly and privately um, that leaves me quite assured that only great things are ahead for the office and frankly, for the profession, given the wealth of experiences um, that she has and that she brings to the table. So really, I think all thank yous go to Tanya, because sometimes no matter how great you hand off <laughs> the baton, if you will, if, there, if what you're looking for is not on the other end of it, you're in trouble. And I know that we're in great shape 
because of everything that Tanya brings to the office and to the profession. I'm smiling ear to ear. You're too kind. You're way too kind. One thing I don't appreciate about this is y'all talking about this, like James ain't part of this group. <laughs> you will always be part of this office. You will always be part of this team. Stop acting like this is goodbye. This is not goodbye. This, this, is, this is not a handoff. We are, we are holding hands. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> it's a circle of hand holding. Uh, but thank you. I really appreciate that. No, exciting times to come. Mary Ellen, anything else you want to share with us? Uh, I just wanted to bring it back quickly to a point that Tanya made about this being a conversation. It's an ongoing dialogue. This isn't your DEI office or any one entity handing down the information. It's a conversation. It's ongoing. It's ever-changing. And so if you don't get it right today, you'll get it right tomorrow. That's it. These analogies are so powerful. And so I'm going to have to listen to this again and take notes because I think (laughs) the image of a circle is so critical to the work that we're doing. And we are all holding hands here. So there's no one leader in this space. I think that we all are making contributions to make everyone better. And that really is the work of belonging. So I want to thank you all for centering that work as the office goes forward. This is an invitation to everyone to join that circle. And as was mentioned, certainly follow us on LinkedIn and feel free to reach out to these tremendous folks with the office with ideas, suggestions, thoughts on how we can continue to build belonging now and in the future. Thank you for listening to the 44th Street Podcast through the New York City Bar Association. Find more City Bar podcasts and program audio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or at our website at nycbar.org. This podcast was produced and edited by Eli Cohen.